Hello, all you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. I'm Zach McCoy. And I'm Trav. And we are your Oscar Grouches. Welcome back to our Thursday show, Thursaysy, where we take a look at the oeuvre of a perennial bridesmaid and knower of cinema, Mr. Mark Scorsese. And what are we watching this week, Zach? We are watching The Last Waltz, a concert film that documents Canadian-American rock group The Band's farewell concert, featuring tons of special guests and intoxicated people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the word you want to use. Yeah. Uh, this is every- as fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is this Among everybody's first time seeing this film? Yes. No. Yes, for me. Oh. Very nice. I'm, I'm just not really into jam bands, as it goes. Okay. You're not into jam bands, or yeah, you're I'm, not into this jam band? I, I've always liked the song The Weight, but I haven't, I didn't really know many other songs outside of that, like, I heard songs by them, but I didn't realize they were the band. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, Zach, do you remember the first time you saw this film? Yeah. In the um, mid-early aughts, is that what we call the two, 2000s, the 2010? Yeah. yeah. Um, I joined a website called Rate Your Music, and I started you know, going through cataloging best albums and things, and um, that's where I discovered like uh, music from The Big Pink, the album... Um, by the band um and then i got this scorsese box set that came with the last waltz um so just kind of you know i liked the music and uh it was kind of getting into dylan you know i was in college and going through that phase and stuff so i don't know that phase what was the phase (laughs) you know you know sitting in the back writing poetry in your little notebook wearing the cap backwards and Mm. it's dylan god Uh, yeah but so i watched it I never really went through a Dylan phase per se, but I mm-hmm. went through a phase where everything that I played on guitar turned into a Dylan song. <laughs> like literally anything I would play on the guitar. Like his cover of uh, Friday by Rebecca Black. Yeah. yeah. Really good. Really good. <laughs> Very good. So, yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, this film was not nominated for any Oscars. Right. So hmm. we're just going to get into How would it even be though? Cuz well, it could have been a documentary, right? Best documentary feature. Yeah. It's a documentary? Yeah, I mean it's it like, documents... like Woodstock. I don't consider any of those. Uh, well, yeah, I don't consider any of those documentary. Yeah. As far yeah, as far as the Academy goes though, I mean it's like they they could have recognized it by the same rules as Woodstock or for editing. I think this may have deserved an editing nomination. Possibly. And I I think with Especially with the things they edit into it, it could have been nominated for that. And with the with the interview segments, you could say it's more of like a documentary. But mostly, I'm, I I was just using that to illustrate that's probably the one thing it right. could have gotten nominated for. Right. This was this was uh, cinematography. Come on, yeah. Yes. It, 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 the the sound the sound the audio and video production on this for a 1978 is staggering. Just incredible stellar. i mean that's mm-hmm. that's yeah absolutely yeah. but um no i mean i can't speak for 1978 and uh live band dvds they were doing you know what i mean but in my time growing up the back and forth of chitter chatter backstage and stuff and then going back to songs is kind of normal so mm-hmm. i don't really that's why it's just like it's not new to me, 
Right. You know what I mean? It's yeah. standard. Yeah. yeah. I think this, this had a lot to play in setting that standard, though. Probably. Zach's right. over here being a motorcycle. You're a little scratchy there, Zach. Oh, sorry. Now he's, now he's not. Yeah, of course he's not when we say it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I it's like we're phone crying wolf. <laughs> but anyway. All right. So let's, let's talk about the movie. Okay. okay. What are our feelings on it? Okay. I'll start. Um, mm, yeah. So I don't remember, honestly, if this was on the episode or off, you know, when we got done recording last week. But, you know, you guys told, I never heard of this, the band, right? I thought, I thought we were talking about P. Diddy's making, making the band, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, and then, you know, I checked him out in front of you and I was like, dude, this is god awful. This is terrible. And I checked out more of their music itself, their their audit, their recorded audio production, and I still stand by that statement. It is poorly mixed. Um, it doesn't sound good. They sing. You could tell they do no modulation to their voices because they are off key quite often. But when you watch them jam, they're fucking killing it, bro. Jesus, like they are, they are into it, dude. They are into it. I love jam bands. So what's it called? I mean, that's why I'm such a John Mayer fan and seeing him perform live. These guys are just fucking jamming and his band's incredible. And these guys are all super, super talented. This dude, Garth Hudson, on the on the keys is tearing it up. Mm, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So, yeah, these guys are super talented. And I really, I played, I watched this movie twice because the second time I just threw it on so I could jam out to him. Yeah. Because it was much better than actually listening to their records. <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoyed this, dude. It was really good. I could do away with some of the guest features. Mm. Um, you know, I, I don't know a lot of them. I mean, of course, they brought out the stud Muddy Waters. That was incredible. Yeah, the Muddy Waters. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this dude just killed it. And I love blues. So, I mean, they're, it's just classic. Dun, 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 dun. I love that shit. So, what's it called? But no, there was a chick that they brought up super long hair probably Joni Mitchell yeah was not a fan of that song at mm. all um mm. I, and, love, I love Joni Mitchell but I, I it's fair you know dude I don't know who she is mm. yeah that's her I just looked at her yeah that's her not a fan ever dude this is not my cup of tea I've never been a Bob Dylan fan mm -hmm. um I've never Bill. been an Eric Clapton fan um these are guys I just don't grow up listening to yeah gotcha. so yeah fair enough i mean I, i'm kind of opposite where i have i mean obviously mm -hmm. i've soured on clapton over the years for, for reasons and but yeah. i i really did go through a heavy dylan phase and i listened um to you know neil young is still one of my favorites uh and i do love Joni mitchell so for me it's like all these all these people that are being featured and showing up with you know exception of like Neil Diamond, they can do away with <laughs> whatever. I don't like Neil Diamond. Um, Boo! <laughs> I love Neil Diamond. <laughs> I was a Neil Diamond's, a, you know, another very popular. Did you name? Did you, yeah. did you hear that really good album he did in the two thousands with uh, Rick Rubin? No, but hmm. I I highly suggest it, if, okay. especially if you like uh, Johnny Cash's American albums. Oh well, I'll give that a shot. I'm just not a big fan of his hits, I guess. Yeah, I mean, his poppier 60s output is not the best, but, I mean, he wrote I'm a Believer, the Monkey song. Okay. 
Uh, so anyway, <laughs> Zach, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. You were. Yeah, in no, I was done with the thought. Really, I think I, I, I named most of my favorites from the performances. Yeah, like I said, I'm not. I was never really a big fan of jam bands. I don't don't particularly care for the Grateful Dead. I don't like Dave Matthews Band. Yeah, uh, yeah just, I'm with you on Dave Matthews, dude. <laughs> I made a joke on pile of shit. Yeah, I made a joke <laughs> on Twitter or Facebook one time where fish came like whenever yeah. fish comes to Hampton Roads because uh, the Hampton Coliseum is their their favorite place to play. Apparently, for sure. Um, the ship. Yep, the mothership. Uh, they came here for like three days a few years ago. I was like, oh, Fish is going to be here for three days. So that's enough time for four songs. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, true. Everybody on Facebook wants to know what happened to Zach. There he is. <laughs> Sorry, I, it froze right after you said that's enough for four songs. Um, and, and, and you froze on yeah. like the perfect De Niro impression. And I said, is, <laughs> is Zach frozen right now? Is he mean mugging me? <laughs> you know, <laughs> this whole time Zach's been like an undercover fish number one fan and you just offended the shit out of us yeah, <laughs> not enough i feel like i've heard one fish song i've heard them all I, but that's that probably not fair i i just don't yeah. no it's fair they suck i think some people are just really good live and then they're not good on record like like i said before i'm not a fan of these guys on record you will not catch me listening to the band in the car but you know watching them jam out i'll listen to that all day you know, and it's one of those things where a lot of my least favorite bands are bands that are supremely talented, but I just right. don't think make interesting music. It's it's the way I am with Dave Matthews' band. Like, everybody but Dave Matthews himself in that band is so incredibly talented. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I'm just like, make better music, please. Or Rush. Hate Rush. Oh, my God. No, dude. No, the most talented band in the world that makes the worst music. Oh, you're tripping. Uh, hold on a second. For, I'm sorry to do this. For some reason, my um my connection switched. I don't know if it's that. So I guess I I apologize. I'm going to have to pause and try to switch without losing it. Oh, dearie. What an asshole! He comes in here <laughs> looking like De Niro, switching internet, you know, routers. This is ridiculous. Okay, it didn't kick me out, so hopefully it stuck. Mm-hmm. Huzzah! Me and Paul decided we can't work under these conditions. That <laughs> is too much. <laughs> I'm a man. That's about him. Hey, chow. Stroke me up, daddy. Okay. All right, all right. Where were we? Uh, we were all discussing how much we all think Rush is the worst band that ever existed. <laughs> Definitely and not. to my poster there behind me. Exactly. Ironic Rush poster. Oh, yeah. Rush is incredible. Rush, but I understand there's a lot of sometimes technical over emotion. It's self-indulgence for the sake of self-indulgence. Ow! You know, you know, Neil Peart was the best drummer of all time. You don't have to tell everybody that, you know, disagrees with you that you understand fuck them okay fuck i don't them. always okay talking all that Again. shit about rush fuck that guy also you said keith moon really weird <laughs> cool guy i missed it i was saying i'm kidding it's buddy rich um uh anyway so, my De Niro face. <laughs> so this film this film i 
just had a good time watching it Mm -hmm. not being a fan of jam bands not really knowing the band uh very well but i just i'm i'm with you trav i was watching it when when zach and i started recording earlier Mm -hmm. because i was just like man i just like listening to it yeah and it's so cinematic obviously because we got the man marty here filming and and they uh, there's some notes here about like the cameramen were all like legit cinematographers all a murderer's row of cinematographers yeah and it it shows i mean some of the shots they're getting they these guys got to be like right there on stage or mm-hmm. um that one scene where they're oh what song are they doing where where they've got like the stage set up and there's hardly anybody in the audience i don't even know where that part was shot separate from the main concert i guess uh yeah so they they recorded a few of the songs at uh i think mgm uh and just the sound stage so like the weight the weight is there with the staples which is my favorite part of this whole fucking movie it's the way it's shot and the staples coming in on the song was perfect yeah like it anytime mavis staple sings i pretty much in tears she is incredible Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh i think the emmy lou harris um collab was in the studio and i love emmy lou yeah yeah uh and they did that that weird setup where they all had like those bizarre instruments yeah like at the very end that was done in the studio yep yeah and yeah and that's when you could tell it's a martin scorsese film when they come off of the stage and go into the the sound stages because he's doing all the push-ins and the dolly shots and the crane shots there's like when they're doing the weight and pop staples start singing they dolly from the back of his head around the front to his face as mm-hmm. he's singing yeah and i've seen that i was like this is one of the most martin scorsese shots i've ever seen yeah, and I mean the film's what an hour fifty seven minutes, so it doesn't overstay its welcome. You get mm-hmm. you get and, a sweet concert with good interviews, and and the concert itself was much longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so they really like picked the songs, especially the ones with the collaborations. They I was gonna say especially out. the ones with Bob Dylan who didn't want to be filmed. And Bob Dylan, who was uh, essentially the reason that they got money to make the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh zach yeah. zach's lovely bob dylan fucking mm. fucking things up though apparently yeah. van morrison was the reason martin scorsese wanted to do the movie okay yeah so scorsese's not a super band fan i mean well, i i have to assume he's like him and robbie robertson become like best friends after this movie right or during this movie yeah uh, to, to the point where Robbie Robertson like produces a bunch of his soundtracks or, you know, like does music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm just looking from notes here. Uh, Jonathan Taplin, who was the band's tour manager from 69 to 72 produced uh, mean streets. So he suggested that he'd be the ideal director for the project. And that, that's pretty interesting. That, mm-hmm. um, yeah. No, he was right, obviously. And, and like his, with the fact that he had also worked on 
Woodstock helped with that as well. Right. <laughs> I think the interviews are uh, pretty interesting. There's nothing super like mind-blowingly revealed, but it's a, a good picture of the time and they're honest and, you know, this yeah. is mostly something that anybody could watch. I, I put it on and watch during the day and the only th- questionable thing was like, <laughs> when he says something about you know getting more pussy than what he said frank sinatra and I, I, yeah, yeah yeah he said uh you ain't gonna make no money but you'll get more pussy than frank sinatra i was like okay yeah no it, kids don't know I, what that means yeah if i was really nitpicking my only problem with the interview portion is i didn't like how it seemed like after one song they went to an interview and then one song and then another interview i didn't like we we could have played a couple jams before getting into some interviews, so. Yeah. And it yeah. wasn't like that the whole film, but they went through a portion where it was song interview, song interview, song interview, and I was like, eh, I want to see some more music. I really don't give a shit about what they're talking about at the table because it's nonsense anyways. They're not shedding light. The only time I felt like they shed some light is when he took Martin backstage and was kind of showing him the boards. And then yeah. you know, at that point, I'm like, you know, I'm soaking in as much knowledge that I can get from that section. But I liked, yeah. I liked Richard Manuel explaining how they got the name The Band. Mm-hmm. Just because it, it's one of the goofier stories that they tell about, you know, all the other names that they were trying to go with before beforehand and how they... They tried like being the honkies, but nobody was really interested in booking the honkies. Like, and every, everybody pretty much called us the band. So we were the band. And I like the one interview segment where they cut and they're all playing uh, old time religion just because it's just three guys having a good time playing a song together. And it was nice to see that they enjoy music away from the stage as well. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, I don't know any of the songs or anything, but they were playing one of the songs backstage or whatever, and Homie was on violin. Yeah, that was old-time religion. Okay. Well, I got to say, and maybe you'll disagree, but from what I heard, this guy's not a very good violin player. No, he's it not. But... sounded like fucking ass. So, <laughs> and, and, you know, he's obviously an incredible musician. You know what I mean? So, you know, not everybody can play everything. You know, these guys can play a couple instruments, but the violin backstage was fucking terrible. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it felt more like he was just putzing around with it. He's not holding it very well. Puts, he's got puts it. elsewhere because <laughs> the shit was hurting my ears. <laughs> um, I don't know. Okay. It's... it's it's another one of those ones where it's just hard to talk about because it's mostly just a concert. Yeah. yeah. Oh, go. <laughs> go on, De Niro. Say what you guys. I was going to say, I, I really like what Trav had to say about not uh, necessarily caring for them on the record, but enjoying uh, the live performances. And I think that's hopefully what somebody could take away from this if they were watching it. Um, shout out to uh, forever young which we have a copy of as a kid's book and you know caitlin is not a dylan fan she you know doesn't can't get into his voice she Mm -hmm. she loves a lot of his songs that are covered by other people which i guess is often the case for many people uh forever young um got turned into a picture book for kids and i think she cries every time she reads it to the boys so very sweet what a wimp i'd probably (laughs) 
I'd probably do that if they turned a picture book uh, from It's All Over Now, Baby Blue. Uh. <laughs> Mine would probably have to be, you know, Smash Mouth All-Star. If of we course. could get that yeah. a motivating children's book, Yeah, I would be I'm, weeping. I'm actually shocked if one doesn't exist. But honestly, I'm I'm I won't be shocked if one doesn't already exist neither. <laughs> <laughs> kind of exists in that space. And I honestly, I think I would read it just to say, I read the All Star Smash Mouth book. Oh. I I would absolutely buy it because I am a staunch Smash Mouth defender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, them in their anti vaxxing ways. That's right. I like Smash Mouth, but I don't like Rush. <laughs> oh, mm. yeah, I find that too funny, I guess. It's <laughs> funnier than it should have been. You know, uh, one of my friends on Facebook today called me an SNL sketch. Yeah. yeah. And it only, it only made the most sense. Dude, yeah, it makes total sense because uh, sometimes she'll say stuff and it's a head scratcher. And then other times I'm rolling on the floor laughing. So you never know what reaction you're going to get out of Paul's mouth. That's for sure. It's because they just say things sometimes just to see what the reaction is going to be. Good. Oh, I'm, I'm, work, I'm workshopping material. That's true. Like an that SNL is true. Um, It's also crazy, too, that um, Garth Hudson and Robbie Robertson are the only live members now. You know? So, so yeah. So that was an interesting note I came across is uh, when... Robbie's talking about how the road takes so many of the the greats away mm-hmm. from us, and uh, uh, Richard Manuel apparently commits suicide in like '86 while touring with a different version of the band. Shit. So yeah, then just kind of a mm. an odd note that yeah, which is weird too because he was also a. Uh... He was playing on the actual like piano, piano while mm-hmm. um, uh, Garth was playing on that organ, yeah. killing it on that organ. But yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know that. Man, Rick Danko. <laughs> it's a little somber now. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, I'm trying trying to bring it back. <laughs> Rick Danko. Uh, during the wait, he has the one verse about uh, taking the dog, and it, I showed that I showed the wait to my wife. And Leanne looked at Rick Danko and the way he was moving while he's playing bass. He was like, he looks like an animatronic from, <laughs> from Chuck E. Cheese. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I was oh, like, Lord. you know what he looks like to me? He looks like a Muppet. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't really help that, like, right after I said that, they cut to Richard Manuel, who looks like Jim Henson. <laughs> Dude, he does. <laughs> oh, that's mm. funny. Yeah. I, what's the Muppet that plays uh, drums? Animal. Animal. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, Dr. Teeth is uh, Jim, Jim Henson, and he plays mm-hmm. the keyboard like Richard <laughs> Manuel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, I really don't have anything really else to say on this except for I feel like you get a vast appreciation for the band itself more so than their recordings. Right. Um, you know, just kind of the way it is. Yeah. And I know you're not really a big fan of or, or really familiar with too many of the guests that are showing up. But I, if this, like, for the time, the level of uh, star power that showed up for this 
this kind of music is uh, oh yeah it looks really crazy crazy yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's like a super bowl halftime show of i mean dude they had ringo Starr playing drums on the last song just like the <laughs> air oh and that was my last note too what i didn't like how they invited everybody on stage there was just way too many singers and sometimes when you've got like 12 people singing you know it gets a little convoluted mm-hmm. a little bit and there's too many different voices going on and stuff um i get it was like a celebration but again i'm like nit nitpicking i'm not you know it's not that yeah. I hated it. I'm just really nitpicking. But I mean, again, yeah, we had Ringo Starr playing drums, you know, to send them out. So yeah, uh, that shows you the level of uh, respect they carry among their peers. Right. Yeah. Also, absolutely love that they opened the movie with their encore. Oh, yeah, yeah. The The order of the the end of the concert is the beginning of the film. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I liked that. That was cool how it ended it began with credits pretty much. Yeah. That was a cool touch. And and the fact that uh the show that's called The Last Waltz and they had ballroom dancing at the beginning of it, so uh-huh. the opening credits is set to the ballroom dancing. Yeah. Was was really cool. I like the the stage and the setup with the chandelier and stuff. It's all very classy. Mhm. I read where they got that from, but I don't like some some play was going on like a different theater and they borrowed the set from the play (laughs) yeah and i and you know i'm not gonna go on at length about it but i I guess we have to mention because it was a big production issue the whole neil young cocaine on his nose like i I guess it was a significant uh budget thing i mean they didn't (laughs) kind of invented the technology to blur his nose how did they do that back then I don't know like there's a blur effect on the film i guess over his nose or something yeah right. my thing is this dude how does nobody fucking say anything like you didn't yeah. notice that the man has cocaine smeared across his nose <laughs> like no you know it would be like if i got food in my beard and nobody said anything it's like well f- fucking thanks like yeah. dude you could have told me probably I had no- chips in my beard <laughs> probably noticed once they started filming but maybe when he saunters onto stage and then it's too late at that point i don't know right oh uh, they probably all got cocaine on their nose too so. yeah probably i mean this is in the middle of marty's big using years and again i'm not going to talk like long about that but Whereas it was probably a deterrent to New York, New York. I mean, maybe it fit in more with the mood of making this film. And and this was shot before uh, New York, New York, because this was shot in 76. Yeah. On Thanksgiving Day. Right. And because because he goes into shooting New York, New York after this and uh, getting it put together, they he puts off like <laughs> editing this film. <laughs> And then he also had uh, um, American Boy, which we'll be talking about next week, of course. Yeah. Uh, he he also shot that and had it edited because he had like a set time limit on that. So this kind of got put on the back burner for a couple of years until he was ready to yeah, that actually Dil- work on it. Part of Dylan's agreement or something was he had a, fil- a documentary film coming out that he wanted to come out before this or something. So they made that agreement too. Yeah. Free Madonna. Well, no, I also think, too, it's like 
if you, this is a big deal, right? For this air, you know, this band and this stuff. So why would you put it out immediately? In my opinion, I think waiting a year or two to put it out makes it even more grander. In right. my opinion, personally, like, you know, I don't know. This just, it's got more prestige that way, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> before we wrap it up, I want to shout out some of the, the murderers row of cinematographers who work on this. Thank you. Yeah. Cause Michael Chapman is the credited cinematographer. Right. And Michael Chapman, of course, shot taxi driver. Right. Uh, he also brings in Laszlo Kovacs, uh, who was the the cinematographer for New York, New York, is uh, listed as additional director of photography, as well as Vilmos Zygmunt, who uh, wins an Academy Award in 77 for Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and uh, shoots uh, the main series filmed this week, uh, The Deer Hunter. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, I mean, they're... And then um, Bobby Byron also shoots uh, on this. And uh, while he doesn't have a lot of credits before this film, he did shoot Smokey and the Bandit. And he would go on to shoot, I'm sure, all of our favorite movie, Howard the Duck. (laughs) Uh, And Bull Durham. So, yeah, I mean, like, a lot of heavyweights. Yeah. There's more of them, but I... There's like another four or five and just wanted to point those ones out. Cool. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> well, I guess uh is this movie uh in the Library of Congress? It is. It is. This movie is in the Library of Congress. So would you fellas give me a year, please? I'm going two thousand nine. Dang, bro, we're always, like, right there whenever you and I are guessing, dude. I was going to say 2011. Okay. Well, uh, Trav, you win The Price is Right, but it's 2019. Oh. Wow. Wow, okay. Yeah, so it is a very recent inductee. Okay. Huh. Uh, That's surprising with all the, you know, the superlatives people use about best rock documentary or something or Right, rock film. You know, obviously, you know, I love rock and you know all that stuff, but I don't feel like that's a very prestigious title, to be honest with you. Best rock documentary. I mean, talk about (laughs) marginalized something down to like nothing. (laughs) There's not much competition there. Yes, that's true. All right. So I guess we're going to move on to our worsty judgments. thing for a minute i was trying to remember i i thought of a different way to word this today all right all right so tram okay. i'm no longer going to ask is this the worst thing he's direct because uh i don't know that starting to feel like it's a little less uh impactful yeah um so i'm going to instead ask where does this rank among your martin scorsese rankings man um, well, I can already tell you, and you know what I'm going to say. It's definitely better than that piece of shit who's that knocking at my door. Um, but if we're strictly just talking about how it's filmed 
and everything that went into it. I mean, you guys may think, you know, I'm, I'm a little crazy, but I put it up there with Taxi Driver, dude. I mean, for me, like, I think it's better than Who's I Knocking at My Door? It's better than Alice Doesn't Live Here. I like it more than Boxcar Bertha, and I definitely like it more than New York, New York. So it's up there for me with Taxi Driver and Mean Streets, dude. Top three. This thing is gorgeous. And again, maybe it's been remastered since when it first came out, this version that I watched. I don't know what's been touched on it since then. But, dude, you want to talk about a top-of-the-line recording of a live performance. It's incredible. Yeah. All right, Zach, where does this stand among your Scorsese rankings? Okay, I'm looking at my list right now, and... I think this is going to be my number three. I'm going to have Taxi Driver at one, Mean Streets at two. I did have Woodstock at three, but I'm going to bump this one in front of Woodstock because it's the tighter uh, Uh film. Um, And I think he took what he learned from the Woodstock experience and made a more cohesive um, picture. Not that he was the one making Woodstock, but... um, And, you know... Perhaps there's some performances at Woodstock that I like better, but I could take them as uh, individual pieces that I'd watch on YouTube occasionally, whereas this I feel like I'd watch as a film more often. Right. How about you, Paul? And for me, uh, I am firmly putting this at my number two. Nice. Ooh, I, okay. I, I, think so I guess goes, I'm not so crazy. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think it, without a doubt, is just a gorgeous film. And, and again, a lot of that actually gets sold on the sound studio. Like the sound stages, like I, I think when, when they go there, it just kicks the whole feel into a different world. Yeah. And it doesn't just feel like we're watching people play a concert on a screen. It feels like there's an added element that makes sense for this to be a film. Yeah. It's very yeah. intimate. Yeah. And, yeah, it is. And, and something else I liked too was it almost felt like they didn't exactly have um <laughs> you've done smeared your mole. <laughs> like, <laughs> um this didn't all this didn't feel like they printed out the set list and taped it to the floor like you see today. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they were having conversations in between songs and I love when a band's kind of jamming and like they look back at the drummer. You know, they do that one, two, one, two, three, four. You know what I mean? So they're all on the same page. And yeah, it really gave it that jam band feel, man. It's nice. It, it's just a nice feeling film. It was something that I immediately wanted to watch again after I finished watching it. And mm-hmm. that's, I think, one of the biggest compliments you can give a film is, man, I just finished watching this. Let's go again. Yeah. And uh, again, I listened to this band before watching it. So I'm like, dude, this shit's going to be garbage. <laughs> like, this guy suck. And it completely turned my opinion around. On, yeah. On post- that's, yeah. That's how good this was. You're posting stuff on social media of it. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, that's when That's when you know. I didn't keep it a secret. I let the world know. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Uh, and I think it all I think it all hinges on Rick Danko's Muppet arms too. So <laughs> absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, I think we're gonna call it there. Trav, you wanna let the people know where they can find you on the socials media. 
That's right. You can find me on the Instagram at ZK Audio. And you can also hit me up on the Twitter at T-R-A-V-I-O-S-Z-K, where I'm also on Letterboxd. And you can check out my movie review and rankings. And as always, you can catch me every single Tuesday on the Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks podcast. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. And you can support us on Patreon at Leveling Up Banks. Mr. McCoy, Mr. De Niro. <laughs> you can find me on Critiker at Zachmaster, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R, TikTok House Havoc, Letterboxd. You can find me by my name. I've started rating more, like, I'm going to start rating every movie I've ever seen. I've decided to carry it over. But I also have the list for the main show and Thursdays. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Mr. Workman. Uh, you can follow me at Father of the Fear across Twitter. Instagram, TikTok, and Letterboxd, where I keep a running tally of all the movies I watch. And this week I watched The Addams Family 2, which was not near as good as the first one, which is a mm-hmm. better movie than most people give it credit for. Absolutely. And what are Absolutely. we watching? Absolutely. What are we watching next week, Zach? Next week, we are watching American Boy, a profile of <laughs> Stephen Prince. It's a short film. I see there's a copy on YouTube. I don't see it streaming anywhere else. Hmm. So I'll post that link if it is still available when this episode airs. We would like to thank Trav from our sister podcast, Leveling Up with Benjamin Thanks for producing our show. Yeah, I was trying to like do a little different on this show. We would like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We would like to thank Megan and Jay Bellevue for our artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Pod, not Facebook at Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice five-star review like I'm sure all of us did for the last fall on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It really helps to make us be seen in the almighty rhythm of alcohol. I have to change that joke. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well let's kill it with the main <laughs> series. With the this main the series episode. the last time you hear it right here on Thursday's Eve. Uh, I, I said I had to kill it on the last um, yesterday's episode too, so I thought I'd just carry that over to this one. All right, for Trap, for Zach, and for Rick Danko's Muppet Arms, I would like for you all to have a damn fine day.